Today we begin a five-week sermon series entitled, A Thinking Person's Guide to Faith. Over these five weeks, we'll ask if it's really necessary that we check our brains at the door in order to be faithful Christians and in order to believe the Bible. Now, next week's sermon will be, When Christians Get It Wrong. But today, our sermon title is Science, Religion, and the Rationality of God. Can we really believe in God and in science at the same time? Let's talk about it. Our scripture reading for today is Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Let us pray. Father, may we see the beauty of who you are in all that you've made. The heavens are truly declaring the glory of God. The firmament declares your handiwork. Help us to see, help us to hear, help us to listen to what creation tells us about your splendor. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, I fell in love in third grade with science, uh, with archaeology to be more precise. I absolutely fell in love with that discipline of science as a young boy. I checked out every book on dinosaurs that I could find. I learned their names. I learned whether they were herbivores or carnivores. I studied to see how they attacked or how they defended themselves. Uh, I loved the Brontosaurus, the Tyrannosaurus rex, the Triceratops, the Stegosaurus. I was fixated on on those creatures. At the end of my third grade year, I got the chance to go to Washington, D.C. The first thing on my mind was to visit the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History. It was magical to walk around the massive Brontosaurus skeleton to imagine the world that used to be here. Uh, soon after that, they changed, scientists changed the name of the Brontosaurus to something else, but I just learned that the Brontosaurus is officially back. It is, once again, a dinosaur. Maybe you can tell that science fascinated me, and in fact, it still does. But then trouble came. I was sitting on the school bus one afternoon with my latest dinosaur book in my book bag when another kid asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? Imagining myself on a dig somewhere, unearthing fossils or dinosaur bones, I said, a scientist. The kid responded, but I thought you were a Christian. Well, that caught me off guard because I thought I was a Christian too, and I wasn't sure why you couldn't be both. But he began explaining it, that the Bible and science don't agree with one another. and So the dilemma began. I believe science was true. I had seen the exhibits in the museum. I'd read the stories in the books. I had walked around that massive brontosaurus, some 75 or 80 feet long. But I also believed the Bible was true. That's what my parents had taught me. That's what Sunday school teachers and preachers had taught me. The more I learned, the harder it was to keep both of those beliefs. It's still a common view that you can't believe both science and the Bible. In fact, there are many Christian faith systems that absolutely insist that you take positions that oppose science. 
If you read the Bible as a science book or as an ancient history book, there are serious problems, especially with Genesis. In the first creation story, the one that occurs in Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 4, God creates land and plants before the sun. Now, that sounds foolish to a scientific mind. How in the world can we have green plants with no sun to give energy? We know that that's not the way plants grow. In that chapter in Genesis 1, creation happens in six 24-hour periods. Evening and morning are the first day and the second day and so forth. Then there's a second story that picks up in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, and goes on through Genesis 3, and it doesn't agree with the first. The order of creation is different in the second story than the first. Uh, in the first, people are created last, but in the second story in Genesis 2, Adam is created first, and then the animals, and then Eve is at the end. And the genealogies just don't work out. According to the genealogies of the Bible, God created the world in the year 4004 B.C. Now, that's according to math done by Archbishop Usher in the year 1650. So, according to the genealogies of the Bible, according if we read it as, as history, then the earth is only 6,025 years old. Oh, science tells us, though, that the earth is nearly 14 billion years old. And people have been around for at least 300,000 years. It's really hard to believe both of those things. How in the world do we reconcile that? So I wrestled with those ideas as a, as a teenager. If you, if you want to know how much of a nerd I really was, these are the things that I laid awake at night in bed wondering about. I was I worried about them. I puzzled over them as a child and as a teenager, lying in bed at night, wondering how I could believe the Bible is true, and yet how these scientific facts could be true as well. I tried making the days of creation longer. The Bible does say that a thousand years is a day uh, in the Lord's timing. But even if you do that kind of math, you only come up with 6,000 years of creation instead of six days, and that doesn't, that's, that's not enough. That doesn't make up for 14 billion years. Uh, as a teen, I tried to prove that carbon-14 dating must be wrong. I came up with these theories about how science had it wrong with dating all of these things, that they were really off, and I guess they had to be off by billions of years, I argued. When I was in high school, the debate between evolution and creationism was raging. My faith told me that I had to choose creationism. Of course, I had to side with the Bible if I wanted to be a Christian, so I thought. But it's hard to deny the evidence of evolution. It's hard to just say that that theory is absolutely without any basis or foundation. And so, once again, my faith and science were at war with one another. I wish someone had told me more about Copernicus. Uh, he discovered that the earth revolves around the sun rather than the other way around. Uh, for all of church history up until his time, the church had agreed with the idea that the earth is the center of the universe and everything revolved around us. But Copernicus said, no, we actually revol re revolve around the sun. Now that much I knew. What I didn't know though, was that Copernicus was a devout Christian, that he was a canon of the church, 
that he had spent his days doing medical missionary work for the church, and then at night he would study the stars. I, I didn't know that this, this rebel in the church was actually a faithful believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, I didn't know that his disciple, Galileo, said, God is known by nature revealed in his works and by doctrine in his revealed word. That Galileo, who was branded as a heretic for teaching Copernicus's theory, that Galileo also was a devout Christian. I wish someone had told me, I wish someone had just admitted that the church was wrong about the Bible for over a thousand years. If they could have just been honest that, yeah, the church held this view about the Bible, that that the six-day creation is scientifically what happened, but the church was wrong. I wish someone could have said that to me. I wish someone would have told me that Darwin studied pastoral ministry at one point, that early in his life at least he considered himself a devout follower of Christ as well, and that he didn't see the theory of evolution as conflicting with the existence of God. Darwin wasn't disproving God. To be more accurate, Darwin was showing us something of how God works. I wish the church had been honest about how bad we looked at the Scopes monkey trial. There was a trial in Tennessee that tried to prevent or was set up to prevent the teaching of evolution in schools. And the church uh, took a stand against science and the church looks really bad for our part in that drama. In fact, when the church goes to war with science, it usually doesn't end well for the church. Why do we feel the need to fight? Why do we feel like science is the enemy of our faith? Why do we feel like we've got to conquer it in order to believe in God? Well, I think part of the answer for that is that we've got a wrong view of the Bible. Genesis is not a science book. It wasn't written that way. It was never intended that way. Nor is it a history book, not in the way that we think of history. It doesn't talk about when or how things were created. Instead, it talks about who created and why. The Bible simply asks different questions, questions that science is really not well designed to answer. In the ancient Near East, people believed that in the beginning there was a war between rival gods. Now, this is the culture in which the Hebrew people grew up that everyone believed that all that is came into being because of this war between rival gods, that the winner god cut up the piece, cut the loser god into pieces, and those pieces became the earth. They also believed that people were created to be the slaves of the gods. In, in their worldview, their polytheistic worldview, uh, all the gods had duties. They had work to do during the day, and they tired of doing their work, and so they created people to do their work for them so that they could be free. And so in this ancient worldview, this polytheistic worldview, the gods created people to be slaves. But it was in that culture that the Hebrew people discovered a different message about God. What they wrote down in Genesis for us is their understanding of a new, a profound, a revolutionary idea of who God is, that God creates not out of war, but out of love and out of goodness.
that God's purpose in creation is to do good. That people are not slaves, but that we are created in God's image. That we are valuable. Our creation story talks about God valuing people. The second story especially teaches us that uh, people are designed to live in community. It's not good for man to be alone, God says, and so God creates Eve as well, and the, the first family takes shape because we are designed to live in community. And then chapter 3 teaches us the dangers of following temptation, that when we follow temptation, that paradise is lost. Those are the messages of Genesis, and there is absolutely no conflict with science. Those messages, the, the intent of Genesis, absolutely does not conflict with science in any way. Can you believe science in the Bible? Absolutely. In fact, as science discovers the greater intricacies of the universe, I'm even more amazed at who God is. When the Hubble's telescope revealed these pictures of the massive expanse of the universe, uh, many said that that was the day that God was disproven. Instead, I looked at those pictures and I said, wow, God, you're bigger than I knew. Can you believe in science and God? Absolutely. And it's not just us preachers that say that. Uh, a lot of scientists will tell you the same thing. One of them is a man named Dr. Francis Collins. Dr. Collins is one of the smartest people to ever walk the face of the planet. He holds both an MD and a PhD. Uh, he is largely responsible for, responsible for mapping out the human genome. Uh, for his work, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Freedom excuse me. But Dr. Collins didn't start off in the faith. He didn't start off in a Christian home. In fact, he was raised by atheist parents, raised to be an atheist. Uh, he had no use for God, no need for that sort of faith, so he thought. Dr. Collins actually came to faith through science. You can read a story in his book entitled The Language of God, but it was actually the scientific method that led him to Christ. It was his study of the Big Bang and of the intricacies of the human genome that led him to believe that God exists and that he wanted to follow God. In fact, here's what Dr. Collins says about God in the Bible. The God of the Bible is also the God of the genome. He can be worshipped in the cathedral or in the laboratory. His creation is majestic, awesome, intricate, and beautiful, and it cannot be at war with itself. Only we imperfect humans can start such battles, and only we can end them. I'm fearful that our war with science is only pushing people away from the faith. When we tell the world around us that they must believe the earth is only 6,000 years old, in order to believe Christ, then many, maybe most, are going to walk away. We've got to stop this war. Science and faith are not at war with one another. In fact, as science reveals the mysteries of the world in which we live, we are pointed to the mystery of the God who loves us dearly. Yes, we can believe in science and in faith. And may the work of scientists, may their discoveries 
only point us to the majesty of our God. Amen. Look forward to sharing with you next week when Christians get it wrong.